Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Thank you very much. If 316 would like to follow Tom, the young people, have a great time, and I'm going to welcome Simon. Thank you. So I've ditched the guitar, and I'm going back to the Bible. So, uh, amen. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> that spirit of encouragement that's present here today. Um, so we started last week looking at John chapter 9. If you've got your Bible or your phone, whatever else you use these days to read scriptures with, uh, if you have that turned on or opened, or let's continue that story. It's the story of Jesus uh, meeting this man, this blind beggar, by the side of the road as he journeyed with his disciples uh, and the healing that took place there. Uh, and we, we talked about this story, not just being a story about physical eyes being opened, but also spiritual eyes being opened as well. And it's got a much bigger significance. It's a, it's a symbolic story of what Jesus was doing as he went around bringing the kingdom. He was bringing a new paradigm. He was opening eyes to a new way of seeing the world uh, that was conflicting with the Roman story, Romans were, were, were propaganda machine, was trying to push this thousand-year golden age that Rome had brought in, a time of security and peace and stability. And then there was the Israelite story we talked about, the hope that had built over thousands of years of the coming Messiah who would come and overthrow the ruling oppressors. And the disciples, they, they see this blind man, they say, who sinned, Jesus? You know, why is he like this? Someone must have done something wrong for God to punish him this way. Uh, and we realized when Jesus said, actually, no one, he hasn't sinned, his parents haven't sinned, something's going to happen today that's going to display the glory of God. It's going to display the fact, actually, everybody is just as broken and blind as this man who's by the side of the road. He's here now, he's physically present, but all of humanity is in the same state as he is. And when I heal him, it's symbolic of what I'm doing for the whole earth. I'm bringing a new uh, sight for everybody, a new healing and we talked about how he says in Revelations 21.5, Jesus said, I come to make all things new. Is that amazing? I come to make all things new. Jesus is in the restoring business. He's in the restoration, the undoing business we talked about. He's coming to make everything new, everything restored. Everything you think about that's broken and messed up about the world, Jesus is going to reverse and transform and renew. And that's his promise to us. So as he prays for the blind man, then we see the intersection of heaven and earth taking place right there. You know, do you ever consider yourself to be blind? I think I do. I recognise my blindness more and more the older I get. <laughs> Not just because I'm physically, my eyes are ageing, but because you suddenly realise, when you're young, you're full of confidence, aren't you? Bravado, everything's black and white, sorry guys. Uh, and, um, you know, the older you get, the more you realise, actually, things aren't quite as black and white, things are shades of grey, and actually, you start to understand your frailty more, you start to understand your limitations more and you understand your blind spots more, and you realise how much you need people around you uh, to cover you and to be friends, trusted companions to journey with. Most people I've talked about in life, one of their biggest fears is getting old and being lonely. You know, we want to, we want to journey together with people. We want to journey throughout life with trusted companions. And uh, one thing a trusted companion can do is they can tell you when you've got a blind spot or you, you're missing something. There's something that you need to see. And so Jesus is the ultimate person who leads us into light. 
he declares himself the light of the world, and then he, he reaches out and he prays for this blind man. And he does the extraordinary thing. He starts to make spit mud. Spit mud, okay? Now, you can imagine, the blind man can't see this, obviously because he's blind, but his disciples are seeing Jesus scoop up dirt from the earth and begin to spit into it until he's got enough spit to make mud. Gross? Yeah? I mean, even for Jesus, it's pretty gross, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and he started, what on earth is he doing now? You know, he's making spit mud. He takes his spit mud and he, he puts it on the eyes of the man. We don't, know, we don't know why he does this. Has anyone else tried it? It's not a model we teach, is it? You know, five-step healing model, you know, ask the person why they've come, make spit mud. I haven't heard anybody try and recreate this. Even Wheelsworth, you know, who was a great healer and very controversial in the way he approached healing, even he didn't make spit mud. So I don't know anybody else that's done this. So it's one of those patterns. I can just imagine Jesus thinking, this will mess him up. They won't copy this one. Um... We don't know why he did it. Why did he make the spit mud? I mean, he might have done it, theologians think, that he might have done it to provoke the Pharisees even more, because he was healing on the Sabbath. So he was working on the Sabbath. So by making spit mud, he was making clay on the Sabbath. So he, he was doubling down the fact he was, not only was he healing and working, he was making clay and working. So therefore he was like, okay, I'm going to hit you again. I'm going to work even more. I'm going to make clay to heal this man with my own spit. So he might have done it to do that. Maybe he wanted to break a pattern or a ritual that the, maybe the disciples had started to figure out how Jesus healed. He puts his hand there and he says these words and we've got it, a mantra. We've, we've, we've got it now. Maybe he was just trying to break any ritual that was associated with what he was doing. Because if you're like me, you like rituals, don't you? Patterns, solutions. You like to put things in boxes, get things down. You do, don't you? You do. We spend our whole lives trying to organise ourselves so we've, we've got that sorted, got that bit down, got that organised. And we do the same with God. And I think maybe the disciples were trying to figure out how does Jesus heal? Because as people, we love solutions, we love patterns, we love to find out the way to do things a certain way. But Jesus makes the mud from the spit. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about Jesus sending out the 72? Yeah? Back on the 2nd of September, we talked about Jesus sending out the 72 uh, commissioned them to go out. And they came back rejoicing because they had prayed and seen the kingdom come. They'd seen deliverance happen. They came back singing and dancing because they'd seen the kingdom breaking out. And Jesus said something strange, didn't he? He said, don't rejoice because the demons submit to you. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Your, your names are written in heaven. And that is really, really important. And what Jesus was saying there was, all this stuff that you do all this um, power you have and this deliverance and healing and transformation you're bringing, it only comes one way. It only comes through relationship, through connection. So the only reason you can go out and pray for people and see them set free is because my life is flowing through you to them. So rejoice because your name is in God's book. Rejoice because you're in relationship with the Father. Rejoice because your identity is secure. And through that, I can flow through you and I can bring Kingdom transformation. There's a fantastic story in Acts 19. It's one of my favourite stories in the whole Bible. 
And it's about the seven sons of Siva. I'll read it to you. It says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, the seven sons of Siva, uh, these were seven sons of a Jewish priest, they were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit they were addressing answered them. And he said this, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and gave them such a beating, they ran out the house naked and bleeding. So one on seven takedown, okay? One man, demonized by an evil spirit, overpowers seven men, beats them so badly, they've got no clothes left, and they run out of the house. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? They had no relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. They were trying to bring kingdom transformation through their own strength. They, they thought it was a pattern. They thought it was a mantra. They thought it was a form of words. So, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who Paul preaches, come out. It doesn't work, does it? It didn't work for these guys either. And it goes on to say in Acts, when this became known, the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they'd done. They were living double lives. A number of them practiced sorcery through their scrolls, and together they brought them out and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. Now, a drachma was a day's wage. So if you imagine at the lowest wage, like eight quid a day maybe, a living wage, a working wage, that equates to three million pounds worth of scrolls being burnt on the street that day. Three million pounds worth of scrolls being burned on the street. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread uh, widely and grew in power. Is that amazing? All because suddenly people realized this wasn't an incantation, it wasn't a pattern, it wasn't a model, it wasn't something that could be reproduced, it was a relationship. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Don't you want to see that in our lives, in our town, in our country? The name of the Lord Jesus has been held in high honor. Jesus, imagine going to pray for somebody and the demon saying, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? That's the good point to get out. <laughs> That's the good point to turn tail. I'm sure for the people here today, for most of us, we're walking in relationship with the Lord Jesus. We're in relationship with the Father. We can rejoice because our names are written in the book of life. I said last week in Ephesians, it said everything, Ephesians 5, everything that's illuminated becomes light. You know, when God touches you, when you come into relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit, when you receive forgiveness, you accept what God did on the cross, then you become lit up in the heavens. It's like God, you become illuminated. And if you could somehow put spiritual glasses on today and look in this room, you'd see all the lights that were shining in the spiritual realm. So when these guys, these seven sons, came into that place where that evil spirit was and that man, he was looking at them through spiritual eyes. And there was no lights. There wasn't light on these seven men. They weren't in relationship with God. They hadn't been touched by God. They hadn't been illuminated by God. They hadn't become light. And so the evil spirit said, who are you? You have no standing in the heavenly realm. You have no standing in the spiritual dimension. 
We can't just use Jesus' name as an incantation. We can't just use Jesus' name as a mantra. Jesus said, rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And that's why it's so important. If you and I are going to be kingdom transformation agents, we have to be in relationship with Jesus. If you're going to go out and pray for people, if you're going to share the gospel, if you're going to take risks on being that transforming presence, we have to be in relationship with the Father. We have to have the power of Jesus flowing through us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Examine yourself. Test yourself. It's a good thing to stop periodically in your Christian walk and examine yourself and do a bit of a spiritual MOT. Am I in the faith? Am I living a life that pleases Jesus? Am I moving towards Jesus? Is Jesus the center of my life? Is he the person I'm looking towards for my hope? Is that where my trust is? Or has it shifted onto something else? Has it moved onto something else? So test yourself, examine yourself. Because if we're going to be transforming and bringing the kingdom, we have to be in relationship. We have to have the Spirit of God flowing through us. We have to be connected with the source of life and love. So back to the story. We don't know why Jesus made the spit mud, but he did. And he put it on the guy's eyes and he said, go and wash in this pool of Siloam. Go and wash in this pool. This pool wasn't special, but the man went off and he washed. And it says, he came home seeing. He came home seeing. I love this phrase. because I think this encapsulates the heart of God the Father. That every one of us would come home seeing Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. There's a place for you in the house of God. There's a room for you. There's a place for you in God's house. And God is the Father who's ever watchful, waiting for us to return home. And that we come home seeing, that we come home with our eyes illuminated, that we get to see things truly as they are. We get to see God the Father as he truly is. We get to see the resurrected and glorified Jesus as he truly is. We get to see creation as it truly is. We come home seeing And for me, that encapsulates the very heart of God the Father, the very heart of the gospel. Every person on this earth would come home seeing. Because we've said before, Jesus is in the illuminating business. He's in the lighting up business. He wants to illuminate your life and my life with the truth of the gospel, with the truth of the kingdom, with the truth of the nature of the Father. The God of this age, Satan, is in the blinding business. He blinds people to God's love. He blinds people to God's grace. He blinds people to the truth. He says, Christianity is just a prohibition. It's just a way of you doing, having less fun in your life. It's a way of living under law. It's a way of restricting. And if God is up there, he hates you. He wants to control you. He wants to keep you down. Satan's in the blinding business, but God is in the illuminating business. And he wants us all to come home seeing. And so just as this man receives sight and, and goes home seeing... That's the heart of God for you. That your spiritual blindness, that my spiritual blindness will be lifted off and we will go home to the Father's house seeing a different, a different thing, a different way of seeing, a different way of seeing the world. It's symbolic, isn't it? This man passed from darkness to light. All his life to that point, he'd lived in darkness. Now suddenly, he's living in light because his eyes are open. And again, it's symbolic of Jesus taking you and I from darkness into light. 
taking you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, sending a, a raiding party into the enemy territory and bringing you back into the love and safety of the Father. And when this man goes home, his neighbours obviously recognise that something happened to him, something's different. He's changed. Do your neighbours think you're different? For the right reasons. <laughs> you know, how do your neighbours think about you? Because this guy came home and he was different and his neighbours recognised that he was different. In fact, he was so different that some of his neighbours said, it's not the same bloke, it's somebody else. He just looks like him. How do you do with your neighbours? Are you brilliant at blending in or are you brilliant at standing out? Do your neighbours know you're different because Jesus lives in you, because your name's in the book of life? Do you act differently around them? Do you do things that make you stand out? It's a challenge, isn't it? There's a great book came out a few years ago by a guy called Jay Pathek called The Art of Neighbouring. And he challenged us, and he challenged anyone who read it, and he said, imagine your house is in the middle of a page. Draw nine boxes around your, your box, your house, and imagine looking out around your street, can you name the nine people who live around you? Most people couldn't. They could only name a handful of people who lived around them. And then he went to say, and if you can name them, what's your relationship like with them? You know, do you, do you connect with them? Do you, do you check on them? Do you make sure they're okay? Do you foster some sort of connection? How do you serve them? How do you love them? How do you be a neighbour that's different? A massive challenge to us, isn't it? Because we want to blend in. We don't want to be the weird Christian in the street. We want to blend in and just be like everybody else. But you can be different to your neighbours. You can be stand out to your neighbours. You can be salt and light to your neighbours. Not because you are doing weird things, but because you're serving them and blessing them and choosing to honour them. Jesus said, love your neighbours yourself. Didn't he? And so we can really start at home with how do we stand out to our neighbours? How are we different to the people around us? These guys started questioning the man. They said, how are your eyes opened? How did this happen? And the poor guy said, well, Jesus, this guy, Jesus, he made some mud spit and he stuck it in my eyes and I went and washed in this pool and I came home seeing. And they were like, what? What? Mud spit, Jesus, pools, seeing? And they were frustrated and they confused and so much that they dragged him in front of the Pharisees. They dragged him off the religious establishment because he just kept saying, look, it's Jesus and mud and spit and, and, and seeing. That's basically the story. Even in front of the Pharisees, here he is, again, an early picture. There he is. Even in front of the Pharisees, he just stuck to his story. They quizzed him and quizzed him again and said, this is, how can this happen? He said, I don't know. You should know. You're the experts. I'm not the expert. This guy called Jesus made some mud spit, put it in my eyes. I went to Washington, came home seeing. That's the story. They got his parents in to try and say, you tell us a story. They were like, whoa, we're not telling the story. We know what happened if we tell the story. You'll kick us out of the synagogue. You'll kick us out of the community. He's a grown man. He knows the story. What I love about this man was his, his journey of connection with Jesus started with action. Jesus said, I've put some mud on your eyes. Now your job is to go to the pool and wash. Now what we often forget in this story is at this point the man is still blind. So the man has to make his way with mud spit in his eyes to a pool and wash. Can you imagine... He may not have known where the pool was. He may have had to sort of feel his way, ask for help. He's asking for help. There's mud spit dripping down his face. People are like, what on earth's going on with you? 
He's like, don't worry, some guy just put mud spit in my eyes and told me to go and wash in the pool. I'm making my way there. He was, he was vulnerable. He was exposed to ridicule. Imagine what was going on in his head. What if this doesn't work? I'll, I'll look like an absolute idiot. I'll be an absolute fool to do this. Why, why trust this man? But we can press all that out of the story, don't we? Mud spit healing open. But this man had to journey, had to respond to the words of Jesus. There's going to be times in your life when it's going to feel like you're feeling your way with mud spit in your eyes, trust me. There's going to be time in your life when Jesus asks you to do something and you're going to feel so vulnerable, so open, utter trust, feeling your way in God, trying to make your way forward to what God is calling you to do. Just like this blind man. Because we like patterns. We like to know the way. We like to know this, the end before the beginning. We like to know where we're going, don't we? We like information. We like it all laid out. But this man simply had a set of instructions. Go and wash in this pool. And he had, to, he had a choice to respond or say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Heal me here now, please. So his faith journey, it started with obedience and action and it started with vulnerability. But it resulted in him coming home seeing. God may say to you, do something that is ridiculous. Do something that is risky. Do something that makes you vulnerable. Are you willing to try and follow God to, to come home seeing? To actually receive a different sort of healing? This man's trust resulted in transformational healing in his life. He went and washed in the pool. The pool wasn't special. The water wasn't holy. It wasn't magical. It was obedience that produced the blessing in the man's life. It was the faith that he put into Jesus that brought his healing and transformation. And when he was challenged and when he was brought before the religious establishment, he would not change his story. He would not back down from this man Jesus. He would not back down from the story of how it happened. And he so infuriated the Pharisees, they labelled him a sinner from birth and they kicked him out of the synagogue. And to be kicked out of the synagogue meant to be kicked out of the community. That's what it meant. It wasn't just like you can't come to church for a few weeks. It was like you're out of the community. We're banishing you out of the community. But this man would not turn from his story. And so the story is a complete reversal from where it starts. We start with a blind man who is perceived to have sinned and offended God. And we, result, we, and we end up with a, with a man who is healed and can see and a religious establishment that is blind. And that is the inversion, the great inversion that Jesus brings with the kingdom. The accusers, they, they, they think they can see. The Pharisees believe they have religious spiritual sight and they accuse the man of being steeped in sin. But it is, it is, it is their eyes that are shut, it's their eyes that are blinded. They're victim of a closed system. And Jesus said to them, now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. You see, all of our guilt, all of our bad choices, all of our brokenness, all of our messed up things that we do in our lives, none of this is a problem for Jesus. None of it. You know, you, you can't do anything bad enough that makes it a problem for Jesus. Because if you come to him with open hands, in repentance, to receive forgiveness, he can wash you, he can clean you, he can set you free. It says in Psalm 51, 17, a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. 
So if we recognize our need and we come to God, he will never turn away from us, regardless of how dirty or messed up we feel. But if you remain entrenched in your pride or your stubbornness, then you can never receive forgiveness from God. If you claim to be able to see when you're blind, you can never receive sight from God because your hands are closed. You're unable to receive. But this blind man who can now see, it's a different story. And Jesus goes and finds him, which I love that. Jesus goes and finds him when he realizes he's been kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus goes and finds him. He doesn't go and find Jesus. Jesus goes to find him. And he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? One of the great Messianic Messianic pictures of the time was from uh, the book of Daniel. And it talks about the Son of Man being seated high next to God. So this man would have understood this, this reference, this terminology. The Son of Man would bring God's light and God's judgment to the earth. So Jesus says to him, do you believe in this picture, this, this figure? And uh, the man said, well, who is this man? And Jesus says, you've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you now. Wow. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. This man's journey of transformation is complete. It's concluded. He's seen Jesus as he really is. He's seen Jesus. His spiritual eyes and his physical eyes have been opened. Everything is now revealed. Everything comes into focus. And he worships. Now, everybody who truly sees Jesus worships. And that's a fact. That's a universal fact. Everybody who truly sees Jesus worships. Because if you see Jesus, then that's the only response that you're going to bring, is you're going to worship. Whether you're like Peter out in a fishing boat, whether you're like a blind man who has his eyes healed, whether you're in a setting in church and suddenly you get a revelation of who Jesus is, you worship. Romans 12 said it's our reasonable response to God. It's 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 our natural response to God. When we see God, for who he is, then we worship. I was talking to my small group the other week, and you know, worship is to, is, to, is, to, is to bow down before a king. It's to come and rever- It's not about singing. Singing's great. It's not even about choirs or organs or guitars. It's to come into the presence of a king and get on your face before him because of the reverent holiness that that person or that character has. And so when you see Jesus for who he really is, high and lifted up, glorified, you get on your face, you get, you get before him, you get on your knees in reverent worship. And it's a beautiful word, it's a composite word, it means to intimately come close to kiss, but equally in utter reverence. It encapsulates the heart of God. We can draw absolutely, utterly close to God because of Christ. We can come right into the throne of the king, the most awesome being in the universe, and we can come right up close to kiss but we do it in utter reverence. And that's the heart of worship. And this man has a revelation of who Jesus is. The guy who made the spit mud is the son of man, is the one seated at the right hand of God, and he worships. He worships. See, for all of us, our journey is going to be similar to the blind man. We're going to have to respond in faith. We're going to have to do things in trust. 
we're going to have to have our eyes continually opened to what God is doing. And as we see God, we'll be a people who worship. You know, you've got a story. You've got a God story, and it's a continuing story, and it's your story, and you should never have to change it. You never should have to bend it or shape it or make it fit, make it sound better, because it's your unique story in God. It's your story. And you should think about it and reflect on it and retell it, because it's your powerful story of your encounter with the living God. And just as this man, he wouldn't change his story, he wouldn't embellish his story, he wouldn't add to his story, he wouldn't make his story more uh, to fit the establishment, to fit the model, to fit what the pressure of the Pharisees wanted. He just said, this guy put mud in my eyes, told me to go and wash in a pool, I went and washed and I came home seeing. That's the story. I'm sticking to it. You've got a story that God wants you to stick to, that God wants you to tell, that God wants you to to invite people into the story of God in relationship with your life. It says in the end of the book of John, John chapter 20, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus, his presence divides the world into two categories. Those who come to the light and those who allow the light to change them and heal them and illuminate them and make them light. And those that want to stay in the darkness. Those who want to withdraw from the light. And even sometimes those people who remain in the darkness, they proclaim they can see everything clearly, just as the Pharisees did. The story of the blind man is a story that carries profound truths for us about Jesus' interaction with every one of us. Jesus is the light bringer. And he wants to bring everyone out of darkness into light and illuminate them so they become lights. And as you and I continue to humble ourselves before the king, before this incredible king that we worship and serve, he will use us to bring transformation. He will use us to usher in the kingdom. But it does require a new way of seeing. It requires our eyes to be continually be opened to what the Father's doing, to what the Spirit's doing. The Pharisees completely missed it. They missed Jesus completely because of their spiritual blindness. And we look back and we think, ah, oh, dumb Pharisees, how obvious could it be? But the church in every era is also at risk of being spiritually blind to what's God doing. Because God didn't call, call us to establish a museum or even a mausoleum. He calls us to establish a living, breathing church that follows the Spirit of God. So let's stand together and just ask for God's light to fill us again this morning. Jesus is the king and he's on the move. He's on the move. He's bringing kingdom transformation every moment of every day. Every moment. And he invites you and I into that ministry. When we talked last week, as long as it is his day, we can work. As long as it is day, we can work. And so every day we have kingdom opportunity to co-labor with God by the Spirit. Because it's day, we have opportunity we don't know when that day will become night. We don't know when it will be harder to share the gospel in this country. We don't know when it will be harder because of our health or our circumstances. We have kingdom opportunity every day to partner with God in bringing the gospel. And we're called to bring the name of the Lord Jesus into high honour.
Amen? We want, I <laughs> don't want any of us to get beaten up by evil spirits, but wouldn't you love a breakthrough moment like that? Where three million pounds worth of junk was bought out and burnt because people recognized that the name of God was bigger and higher and more powerful and that spiritual things were real and there was oppression, but there was hope. So, Lord, we just pray for your light to fill us and to fill our town and to fill our coast, Lord God. Lord Jesus, would your name be lifted up in high honor? We pray for breakthrough moments. We pray for breakthrough opportunities. We pray for divine encounters, God. We pray for kingdom power to flow out through us, Lord. We pray for courage. God, give us the same courage and trust the blind man had to make his way to that pool, to believe in you, to believe beyond what we would normally believe, God. Help us to move our, our, our anchor of trust back to you today. And Lord Jesus, we pray for that fresh infilling of your spirit. Everything that's illuminated by you becomes light. And so God, would you show us again how we are perceived in the heavenly realm. Show us, God, that we're like these blinding lights to the enemy. We're like blinding lights to the demonic. We're like blinding lights to anyone who would stand against you because you've illuminated us. And this isn't just a nice metaphor, God. It's a spiritual truth of how we are perceived in the spiritual realm. And we can rejoice today because our names are written in the book of life. So, Father, we thank you for your presence today. Would you come and would you do something in us, God, that moves us this week, moves us further along that reality. And God, I pray for every person for a kingdom opportunity this week, a kingdom encounter where we could bring your kingdom. I pray for contact with neighbours. I pray for people at work. I pray for situations, God. People in the street. God, give us spiritual eyes, I pray. And Lord, as people here are still on a journey of faith, Lord God, this story is a fantastic story of invitation. So if that's you this morning, if you're still trying to figure out faith, you're still trying to figure out Jesus, you don't know whether your name is written in the book of life or not, I want to encourage you just to say a simple prayer in your heart this morning. Now, Jesus, I need your help. I'm blinded. I'm broken. I need you to come and renew me. Forgive me, restore me. And if you pray that prayer, come and chat to me at the end. I'd love to speak to you. So Lord, would you, would you bless us this morning with your truth? Would you fill us? Let's just wait a moment. Lord Jesus is here. The Spirit's resting on you. I can see it's a beautiful thing. Just receive from him. There might be many transactions in your life where you feel you have to give back just as you receive. This isn't one of them. God doesn't need anything from you this morning. He just needs you to be open to his spirit. Just receive again the light of God. Fill him, Lord. Fill him, Lord. Come, Spirit. Bless you, Jesus. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, we give you our blindness this morning. We give you our, our brokenness. We give you all our shortcomings. And we thank you that you're the God who restores, who loves, who trusts. Thank you, God, that we know you and you know us. 
and we walk in that confidence this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Lovely to see you today. Um, that's it, basically, isn't it? <laughs> Grab a coffee. If you want some prayer, or if you've prayed that prayer, come and see me. I'd love to chat to you. Catch up with you soon. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.